Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, today I'm going to read you a Friday Barnes mystery because Friday Barnes 10 is going to come out in early 2022. So I thought we would refresh Friday Barnes 9 and I'll read you a chapter from that book. So this is Friday Barnes No Escape and I am going to read to you The Case of the Sleepy Psychologist. Here we go. Friday had never been to the counsellor's office at Highcrest Academy before. She had been sent to the counsellor at her old school when her year two teacher thought that her refusal to play duck-duck-goose was symptomatic of a behavioural disorder. Friday managed to convince that counsellor she was a perfectly normal six-year-old by using a PowerPoint presentation with three-dimensional graphs, detailed analysis of the latest medical research and a complicated combination of legal precedent. At her government-funded public primary school, the counsellor's office had been a tiny square room with a chipped old desk, unnervingly sticky plastic chairs and grey-blue linoleum flooring. The psychologist's office at Highcrest was something else entirely. There was thick navy-blue carpet, a beautiful mahogany desk, a leather armchair and an incredibly comfortable couch. It even smelled soothing – As Friday sank her bottom into the soft fabric of the cushions, the scent of lavender wafted up. She looked about. There were only a couple of dozen books on the bookshelves, but that did not make Friday think any less of the counsellor. In her experience, most teachers had shelves crowded with books that they had not read, mainly because they wanted to appear literate. The counsellor did have a lot of potted plants. Friday assumed this was supposed to be soothing. Either that or the counsellor was trying to generate her own oxygen supply through photosynthesis. Not a bad idea, given how bad the average teenage boy smells. The counsellor closed the door. The carpet and upholstery were so thick that it was like being in a recording studio. The sound of the latch clicking was deadened immediately. Friday supposed this was because of the sensitive nature of what was discussed in the room. They didn't want people listening out in the corridor. "'Hello, I'm Dr. Mismati,' said the counsellor, as she walked over and sat in her leather armchair. She was a very petite woman of African descent. Friday didn't often meet adults who were the same height as her, five foot two, but there was nothing childlike about Dr. Mismati. Everything about her appearance, her clothes, hair and demeanour, was precise and professional. Her posture spoke without words and it said, "'I care, but not too much, so don't get overly familiar.' "'How can I help you?' asked Dr. Mismati." You can't, said Friday. I don't have any problems. Dr. Masmati looked at Friday. Friday looked back. She wasn't going to be tricked into speaking. She knew psychologists used silence to prompt patients into babbling about themselves. Dr. Masmati broke the silence first. Dr. Belcrady is concerned that your mood has been down since you returned to school. Since I got let out of prison, said Friday. Dr. Masmati raised her eyebrows. This was her way of saying, tell me more. 
She's probably watched too many prison dramas, said Friday. She thinks it's all fights in the yard, eating baked beans off trays and getting shoved headfirst into an industrial clothes dryer. And it's not, asked Dr Masmati. She leaned on her chin as she said this, with her elbow propped on the arm of the chair, as though she was getting comfortable to listen to a really long story. No, said Friday. The food wasn't too bad. Not as good as Mrs Marigold's, but better than I used to get at home. And there wasn't much fighting. You lost TV, privileges if you fought. And you like watching television, asked Dr Masmati. No, but the girls who liked fighting did, said Friday. I read books. Which books, asked Dr Masmati. Why, asked Friday, are you going to psychoanalyse me about my literary preferences? Dr Masmati smiled. Maybe. It depends what you read. I was inside for 328 days, said Friday. It took three days for me to be issued with a card for the library. I only had access to the Bible during that time. But for the remaining 325 days, I read an average of three books a day, so 975 in total. Plus the Bible, that's 976, said Dr Masmati. I read that three times, said Friday. That makes 978. Once I did get access to the library, there wasn't much for selection. The science section was infantile, and the librarian refused to subscribe to the International Journal of Theoretical Physics for me, so I concentrated on the classics. Plato, Plutarch, Aristotle. For some reason, people assume that old literature must be safe. In reality, it's all much more revolutionary than any airport novel being published now. Friday had been looking at her old red sneaker as she spoke. She didn't want to look Dr Masmati in the eye. She seemed like a kind lady. Friday knew if she was forced to talk about her feelings and someone was kind to her, she would burst into tears. It was much better to just stare at her own foot. She'd been staring at it for several moments when she noticed it was jiggling. That was bad. Insane people jiggled. And guilty people. People with things to hide. She didn't want Dr Masmati to think she was hiding anything, although, of course, she was. Everyone was hiding something. Friday stopped jiggling her foot. It took a surprising amount of willpower. She stared at her still foot, willing it to behave. It was a moment before she realised that the silence had stretched on too long. She looked up and was shocked to see that Dr Masmati was dead. At least that's what Friday thought at first. Then she realised that was silly. There must be some other reason that the psychologist was slumped back in her armchair. Perhaps she suffered a stroke or been bitten by a venomous arachnid. Friday leaned closer and could see that Dr Masmati's chest was still moving up and down as she breathed. That was a relief. Then Dr Masmati shifted slightly in her chair, and as she drew in her next breath, she snored. "'Are you asleep?' demanded Friday in a loud voice. Dr Masmati flinched and snorted awake. "'What had happened?' "'You fell asleep,' said Friday." Oh, no, not again, said Dr. Masmati, rubbing her eyes. She didn't look precise and professional anymore. You've done this before, said Friday. I know medical doctors have a Hippocratic oath. Surely psychologists have some sort of similar professional standards. Falling asleep in a session must be a big career no-no. I'm so sorry, said Dr. Masmati. I don't know what came over me. Extreme boredom, I think, said Friday. No, no, you're not boring, said Dr. Masmati. I know, said Friday. If you get bored, that's a reflection on you, not me. Dr. Masmati looked at her watch. It's just a session, Tuesday mornings. I get so tired for some reason. I don't know why. I've been going to bed earlier on Monday nights to try and rectify it. You haven't taken any medication or had any blows to the head, asked Friday. No, said Dr. Masmati. Not that you can remember, said Friday. If you had amnesia, you wouldn't know. I don't have amnesia, protested Dr. Masmati. Uh-huh, said Friday. She was looking about the room, then turned her attention back to Dr. Masmati. 
No unexplained lumps on your scalp? Friday peered at Dr. Masmati's head as she said this. No, said Dr. Masmati, although she did unconsciously run her hands through her hair to check. On how many Tuesdays have you had these symptoms? asked Friday. I don't know, said Dr. Masmati. Oh, well, actually, I do. This is the fifth week in a row. And you completely fall asleep, asked Friday. Well, yes, admitted Dr. Masmati. That's why I scheduled your session for now. In previous weeks, I've used this hour to review my notes. But last week, I fell asleep at my desk and completely missed my 10 a.m. appointment. Friday gave up any pretense of maintaining the normal doctor-patient behavioural protocols. She got up and walked across to the bookshelves, where she started sniffing each of the potted plants in turn. Which shows how distracted Dr. Masmati was from her professional role, because she made no comment on this eccentric behaviour. She didn't even jot it on a notepad. I don't know what's wrong with me, said Dr. Masmati. Ever since my first clinical post, I've always found the first hour of the day after breakfast as the time when I was most able to focus. Perhaps I'm coming down with something. Friday turned her attention from the potted plants back to Dr. Masmati. She peered closely at her face. I don't think so. No perspiration or flushed skin to indicate a raised temperature. Your eyes are clear and bright. There's no nasal secretions. Dr. Masmati instinctively raised her hand to cover her nose. No one likes having their nose stared at, especially not by a strange teenager. But that only made Friday peer even closer, although now at her hand, specifically her fingernails. And the coloration under your fingernails indicates that you're not suffering from iron deficiency. Friday glanced about the room one more time. Who's the next patient you see in after me? I can't disclose that, said Dr. Masmati. It'd be unethical. Fair enough, said Friday. I'll work it out. Although it would be easier if you simply told me. So it's someone you couldn't see at 9am, otherwise you would have just moved them into this time slot last week to keep yourself awake. So why wouldn't a student be able to be seen during the first period of the day? She was asking herself these questions without any expectation that Dr Masmati would answer. (laughs) There are no sporting teams practising, and for most students, the first lesson of the day is homeroom. Totally non-essential. You can't get behind in homeroom. We should go back to talking about you, said Dr. Masmati. Friday ignored this suggestion and continued with her line of thought. The only students who have to be doing something in first period are those helping Mrs. Marigold clean up after breakfast, a task that's usually assigned to students who have been given so many detentions they can't be given any more. Exactly the type of student who'd have a weekly session with a school counsellor. Friday sat down to consider the facts. In the past, the student most frequently given detention was Ian Wainscott, Two years ago, he held the school record with 98 detentions in a calendar year. But he's gone. Next was Parker with 54 detentions. But Parker is very stupid and not capable of consciously devising any sort of plan. A year ago, the third person on the list was Elliot Fanshawe. And I know he set fire to Mrs Marigold's oven last week. I didn't inquire at the time, but I presume it was because he was helping out at breakfast. So is Elliot your next appointment today? Dr Masmati tried to assume a poker face and did not respond. I see, said Friday. You're consciously trying to repress any facial expression. But you should wear your hair down when you're trying to hide your emotions, because I can clearly see the vein in your neck, and your pulse rate visibly accelerated when I said, Elliot Fanshawe. Dr. Masmati covered her neck with her hand. And now you're covering your neck because you know it's true, said Friday. You've been betrayed by your heart rate and your inability to control your unconscious reactions. Friday glanced at her watch. My appointment time's nearly up. 90 seconds to go. Let's see who's waiting outside. Friday reached to open the door. No, said Dr. Masmati. For privacy, you meant to leave through the other door. She was pointing to another doorway at the rear of the room. 
I can overlook your falling asleep in my session when I'm supposedly in need of psychological help, said Friday, but I refuse to participate in a ridiculous charade. We both know who's on the other side of this door. She turned the handle and threw the door open. And there, sitting outside, was no one. Just three empty plastic chairs. Dr. Masmati sighed with relief. (sighs) But then the external door opened and a tall, lanky boy entered the waiting area. Elliot Fanshawe, said Friday. Tell me, what have you been doing to Dr. Masmati's breakfast? Elliot looked shocked for a second, but then quickly masked it. What are you rambling on about, Barnes? I didn't do anything. There's nothing you can pin on me. Friday turned back to Dr. Masmati. What did you eat for breakfast? A sausage omelette, said Dr. Masmati. Perfect, said Friday. I don't think Elliot would drug you. That would be creepy and highly illegal. He'd get an enormous amount of trouble if he was caught, and it'd be easily proven with a urine test. Friday, this is wildly inappropriate, said Dr. Masmati. You're embarrassed by the word urine, marvelled Friday. You're a psychologist who listens to teenagers' troubles and anxieties all day long, and you're embarrassed by a bodily fluid. This is getting out of hand, said Dr. Masmati. But what if he put something in your food that was entirely normal, said Friday, something no one would think to check for, like turkey. Three nights ago, we had roast turkey for dinner. Turkey would be very easy to make into a sausage. Turkey, indeed all forms of poultry, are full of tryptophan, which is a known sleeping agent. Then to double up the effect, he gave you a cup of decaf coffee. The smell is distinctively different. I'm surprised you couldn't taste it, although perhaps he didn't notice because you're already sleepy. Have there been any other unasked-for foods appearing on your breakfast tray? Well, actually, yes, said Dr. Masmati. I've been getting bananas. I didn't think anything about it. I assumed it was some initiative to encourage everyone to eat more fruit. Bananas are also high in tryptophan, as well as magnesium, said Friday, another known natural sedative. He's been tampering with my food, marvelled Dr. Masmati. It's brilliant, said Friday. If you noticed anything, he could just pass it off as an innocent kitchen mix-up. This whole story is farcical, said Elliot. But what would his motive possibly be, said Dr. Masmati. Friday looked at Elliot, trying to figure this out for herself. Motive is always the hardest part of any crime to understand. Sometimes it's clear what the motive is, but it's unfathomable why they have that motive. You can, however, piece it together step by step with deductive reasoning. Elliot looked at his watch. Is this going to cut into my session time? I'd hate to miss third period geography. Really? How interesting, said Friday. Let's set that aside for the moment, though. She turned to Dr. Masmati. Let's ask ourselves, what do we know? One, Elliot has been behaving badly. Two, he was sent to you to address this. Three, students are sent to counsellors to see if there's a medical or emotional reason for their bad behaviour. So why would Elliot want to avoid this process? She turned and looked at Elliot. Because... There is no medical or emotional reason for his behaviour. He doesn't have a learning disability. He isn't going through difficulties at home that he needs to talk through. He's just a horrible person. It goes against human nature to believe that a person can be horrible right through to the core. But some people are. Elliot doesn't want to be psychoanalysed and found out. He doesn't want help. He doesn't want to behave better. He'd rather just go to third period geography. You can't prove any of this, said Elliot. It's an outlandish accusation. Maybe, said Friday, certainly not given Dr. Masmati's irrational aversion to urine, but maybe I don't need to. Really, this can all be resolved by Dr. Masmati sticking to yoghurt and cereal for breakfast and brewing her own coffee in her room. The school bell rang. They were all reminded of the time. Well, that's it. The hour's up, observed Friday, making her way to the door. Oh, we'll have to reschedule. She spent barely any time discussing your problems, said Dr. Masmati. 
That's not my fault if you slept through that part, said Friday. I've got to get back to my work. I've got a passage describing the Trojan horse that's not going to translate itself. Well, actually, it probably would with Google Translate, but it's not going to put itself into rhyme in verse. And so the case was solved. Thank you for listening to support this podcast. Just buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from from across the Friday Barns, Nanny Piggins and Pesky Kids series. And now there's the book of this podcast, Shockingly Good Stories. You can order any of these things through your local bookstore or you can go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They've got all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>